The Understable Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Roofing and Anchor.fm. Are you or someone you know looking for reliable contact for exterior renovations? Look no further. Give Spartan Roofing and Renovations a call to schedule your free consultation. With every project Spartan Roofing completes, they make a donation to the Dayton Disc Golf Club to help support the fast-growing community. If you have a minute, give them a like on Facebook and Instagram. Spartan Roofing services the greater Dayton area and is licensed and insured in the state of Ohio. To schedule your appointment, call 937-532-0315 and ask for Charles. All right, everybody, this is episode 31 of the Understable Podcast. I'm your host, Mark, and joining me today is my co-host, Brandon, and a very special guest who I'll bring in in just a moment. Um, we have PDJ number 69424. Rated 1,013, sponsored by Prodigy, OTB, Tree Love, and Daddy Mac Dies, the one, the only, Luke Humphreys. Luke, welcome to the show. And thanks for having me. Honored to be here with you, fellas. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a wild ride these, these past few days, but, you know, I, I appreciate you guys making time to have me on. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. Real quick, if you don't mind giving a quick social media shout-out to where our fans can find you, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, the whole nine. Totally, yeah. LukeHumphreys.dg on Instagram. Uh, just my name on uh, YouTube and Facebook, obviously. I think they only allow you to have you know, so many friends. But, yeah, hit me up there. I, I try to get back to everybody that I can. Uh, stay in those DMs, hitting you all back, answering questions. So feel free to reach out. I love talking to fans. Awesome. So, as I mentioned off the air, do you have one quick story you can tell us just to kick this off? Yeah, man. I mean, the best story is just one that we're living in real life. Kevin Jones drove throughout the night to be here in Dallas today. He's sleeping at some gas station a couple couple minutes up the road so that we can play Debo's here in a few and practice for this tournament. I'm playing a local here this this week. So oh nice. That man has, he's got the craziest sleeping schedule, driving schedule of anybody I know. He'll start drives at 10 p.m. It just doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, I do the same thing when I drive. I like driving at night, just less traffic on the road, less people to deal with. If you can stay up, more power to you. Uh, night shifter here, so that's easy. Yeah, I, def- I, I definitely cannot stay up driving that late at night. I, it's crazy for him to be able to do that and then, you know, have like a crazy schedule like that and then have all that success on the course. Dude. Yeah, his um, his schedule is one of a kind. He's one of a kind. I think it, it's kind of just a match for, you know, what he's got yeah. going on. But that's that's what's happening here in Dallas, man. All right. So last weekend, Las Vegas Challenge. The saying goes, "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas," right? But for you, I feel like it's not that's not the case. After four rounds of the tournament, finishing tied for fourth with an average rating of one thousand forty nine. I can only imagine you're trying to take this momentum into your next event. No doubt, man. Take us through uh, your four rounds at Vegas. Yeah. Oh, you said I'm 10-13 I'm at the moment, so hopefully that's going up. You mentioned the, the average rating in Vegas. That should be a nice bump. Um, you know, there was no expectations is how it started. Vegas for me last year was uh, disappointing. It's one of the only cuts I've ever missed, um, which – you know, it gave me a little fire coming back. I flew out. I I kind of pictured myself having a bad time again, so I didn't take it very seriously at all. I, you know, I didn't bring my van, didn't bring Hogan. I was just going to go there, play this, get some tour points, hopefully, 
and then get back to Texas and start what I consider to be the, the tour. Vegas for me was uh, kind of a one-off, you know, so no expectations. I show up the first whole practice round playing with Kev and uh, uh, Kale, and I ace with one of our new discs coming out, FX3, right there on the first hole. So immediately, you know, I talked to Kale. I was like, vibes are going to be different. I promise I'm going to try and make vibes different. And then vibes were immediately different. So um, it was meant to be, man. Um, I had good vibes immediately after that. Played three rounds a day for the first two days I was there. A Russ woke me up at like five o'clock one morning and we watched the sun come up on the infinite course, which was fantastic. I played two more before noon. Um, so I was just, I was enjoying golfing and it, and it did feel very different. So going into the first round, I knew I was going to get a play with Nate Perkins, Zach Johnson and, uh, Scott, Oregon Scott, um, which was just an amazing group to get a play with. So I managed, it was a good week all around, you know, that, that first round can matter so much and to have buddies that I hadn't seen in a while and, uh, and just to be able to play a little golf was awesome. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. The impact that the energy you put off has on, on how well you play you know like for me with the battalion team this year i'm just super fired up to come out swinging and shoot my best rounds ever but sounds like you brought the energy with you to vegas to really do well yeah i think that you said something about prodigy i think that's got a lot to do with it as well we've got so many good things going on at prodigy right now whether it's the plastic the team or the the sponsorships um the tournaments that we're getting down on everything just seems to be headed in a really good direction right now i think the plastic is the the culmination of that we've got the falcor the reverb um the distortion we have fantastic discs coming out some of the best discs that i've ever seen or thrown uh, and that's really exciting too so during one of those practice rounds kale gives me a brand new falcor uh, that weren't available at the time, you know, I start throwing it during my practice round and I end up throwing it the majority of uh, shots on almost every course, every distance driver I threw for the, the majority of the week was a brand new Falcor that Kale had given me. And it's such a trustworthy disc that man, it just can't help but get you jacked up to throw it. Yeah. I'm waiting on my uh, package today to come that has the reverb and I think the distortion in it and then all the, uh, the pro flex. Dude, it's supposed to be here today. I'm, I can't I'm wait. Excited. I'm stoked for you, man. It's it's gonna be fantastic, bro. Your game is gonna level up. I promise. <laughs> awesome. Um. So, what was what was one of the biggest hurdles you had to overcome at Las Vegas? I think. Um, yeah, I think it was the third round. Really, um, I was fourth card, but I was with some guys who were also you know, really not supposed to be in a situation like that. A couple of young guys, Cade Philman, Hala, um, Parker from California, and then um, Chris, can't remember his last name at the moment, but they were all young guys trying to make it on tour. So we were all really feeling the nerves that round. Um, and, and I think staying patient because I had a slow start um, and then just, you know, elevating myself above the group to, to a degree was what was the hardest thing to do there. But um, that's something I had practiced in the off season. I had been working on um, just, just shooting my shot and not worrying about what was going on around me. That third round to be able to come out with an eight under um, was my best round of the tournament. I'd say, even though there was a 13, that 13, it felt easy with Kev and Calvin on the card. Uh, we were just vibing. 
that that was i mean we were all in the zone <laughs> yeah that you know 13 that felt easy that eight felt way harder that's the one that i'm proud of awesome and then when you get into a situation where like you can sense your car mates are struggling and maybe you're struggling because of that energy and that vibe are you are you the kind of person that'll help motivate your your car mates to maybe perform better if you will yeah. I, yeah, definitely trying to get people fired up. If it's a good shot, let them know it's a good shot. You know, it's it, we're all in it together at the end of the day. Third round, none of us are playing to win the tournament that round. We're all just playing for position. It's moving day. And uh, and vibing is a real thing, like we showed the next day with Kevin Calvin and Ezra and I. Um, I think we were probably 20 under par through six holes of the course or something as a group. So oh, nice. that is a real thing. And you can create something, you know, by encouragement. You can create that. For sure. Yeah. You mentioned that. I remember. Oh, oh, go ahead, man. Go ahead, man. You mentioned that, that that eight under was probably your highlight of the tournament during that round. What would you say was like your, your most memorable, maybe shot from that round? It was the putt on 17. Um, that course finishes with like a, a really weird flex forehand shot. I don't know if you remember through the little gate, I had missed about a 20 footer on the hole before for my birdie, which is, it's a gimme birdie hole 16 on that course. Um, and so I came into 17 through a good tee shot and ended up at circles edge. And I just wasn't going to miss another putt. Um, and, and bang that one, you know, it led to the birdie on 18 as well. So I, I finished with a birdie on all four rounds, which I think kind of vaults you into a little bit of a positive feel for the next day too. I think that's really huge, you know, it's just one hole in your entire round, but it is the last one. And it's, you know, it's the one you think about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that 17 birdie and then to get 18 there and then, you know, to get on the phone and figure out that I'm actually playing with one of my best friends and two of my best friends really. And then, you know, one of the best players in the world, Nezra. It's fantastic, man. What, what feels bro. <laughs> right. I was watching the last round uh, live at home and, and it was just so crazy. Like the round you had put together for that final round, because I was playing, you know, I was watching and then, you know, for the fact, I feel like for the final, like nine holes, they were like, you know, we, we got the action on the lead card and all that stuff. And then they're like, oh, we're going to cut to Luke Humphreys. Oh, here he is another birdie. Hey, here's Luke Humphreys. He, he just birdied again. It was like birdie, birdie, birdie. It was, it was so awesome to watch because we had kind of been um, conversing with you a little bit uh, before the tournament started, I believe, about yep. um, having this, having us get together and having you on the podcast and just like, and then watching you have that success. I was just like, this is so awesome. Like, I can't wait to talk to him about the success that he found on the course and like how he found that success. Like, this is like, this is super awesome for him. And I can't wait to have him on and like talk about those things. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's not an accident either. About a month ago, I posted that I was taking my practice putting seriously for the first time in my career. And immediately you see results from, from that. Um, just a few minutes a day of actual focus, trying to um, trying to stay consistent and stuff. And, and immediately it pays off. I don't think it works like that typically, but um, you know, it, it makes me hungry to do even more and to figure out what I actually can do because I'm, I'm never going to be the guy that throws it the furthest, but this game is 80% mental. And uh, if you allow yourself to be confident in those situations, it's crazy what you can achieve. As the final round came to a close and we saw that epic playoff with Gibson and, 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 you know, our, our guy Gannon, 
Did you stick around to watch that? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was, um, I had, I had walked like over a little Island onto the green of 18. So Kale and Kevin and I were like in a spot you're not supposed to be able to get to. So I had a great view of what was going down. I think, you know, as Gannon through the shot, I was standing next to Kev, his shot into 18 and, uh, it looked fantastic. It was just barely hot you know it missed the top of that hill by less than a foot it, it appeared to me and if it had caught those chips it stopped dead and he had a tap in for the win so I had a great view of that I was amazing we knew they were playing one three five seven so we immediately sprinted to hole one and I had a perfect view there uh, we sprinted to three we sprinted to five I was sprinting around with Paige Pierce and Kevin Jones basically and Paige was leading the charge of the spectators running from hole to hole which was pretty funny to see, but also awesome to see her stoke level for what was going on. Yeah, we were so excited for what was happening. I mean, last year, disc golf exploded. During the off season, it seems like it doubled again. The excitement going into this was unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. So to, to have it culminate into a playoff, like the people there, everybody was buzzing. No one could stop smiling. We were running, we had side cramps, but we couldn't stop smiling. It was <laughs> fantastic that's awesome that's awesome do you think that this could be a statement from drew gibson you know last year signed that lifetime contract with uh infinite to now coming out swinging and and winning las vegas yeah man unbelievable you know it's it's hard to think that he could continue on the pace that he finished with his last round of 2021 was unbelievable you know he hit 90 footer after 90 footer and then there was a three-month wait <clears throat> and we replayed those shots like a million times you know like it, the expectation for drew was so high and for him to come out and uh and do what he did is just a testament to how hard he worked in the off season i mean the, the guy's a player he's a gamer he's got one of the best if not the best backhands in the game and his putts phenomenal now it's um it's fantastic to see what he did man i'm a drew fan for sure Sweet. Yeah, unbelievable. I, I wanted to ask you one more thing about Vegas before we kind of start, you know, moving into some other things. Um, you had mentioned before that you had no expectations and that, you know, you were just kind of, you know, there for the points. Um, you didn't expect much. Um, like, why is that? Is is it like, you know, maybe the courses or just, you know, it's so early in the season and you're just not sure because you never feel like you're like ready for the season. I feel like, you know, like season comes around, you're like, I wish I could have done more. You know what I mean? So like what, 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 what drove that uh, mentality? Well, it wasn't my lack of preparedness because like I said earlier, I've been practicing more than any off season i've had which are you know there's two or three off seasons maybe that i've ever had but this one i really dialed in my lack of preparedness it was just my lack of good play on that course and my overall feel about vegas in general no offense to anybody from vegas but like i don't i don't like that type of town all the lights and the the craziness uh, okay i grew up in sao paulo brazil and tokyo japan two of the five biggest cities in the world and i i went there not of my own accord. So I don't love big cities and the lights and the buzz and stuff. I can be around for a little while, but it's not my jam. I like forests. I like rivers and streams and plains and I like a little space. So the whole town gives me like a, a little bit of a bad vibe. So I was just, you know, I wasn't expecting much. All right. All right. Okay. 
Yeah, it's fair answer. Fair answer. Yeah, it's personal. Um, yeah. And nothing against Vegas. It's a fantastic town. And and I've got some different feels coming away from it this year. Now, now I've got some good feels. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Vegas is over. Um, what's the rest of your schedule look like? I'm going to play every pro tour and I, I think every silver series throughout the year. We're going to run skins matches at the majority of those. We're also going to have a handful of extra skins matches that go down at Eagles crossing, um, which is, you know, of course, so I'm welcome to talk about as well. Best course in the world. And uh, we're going to have a finale there as well for every skins winner um, throughout the season. They'll get an invite and whether they can make it or not, you know, yet to be seen, but they will have an invite to play for maybe the most money that any disc golfers ever played for. Holy cow. <laughs> so are you, that's exciting. Are you yeah. coming to Idlewild again this year? I think that Idlewild is during the Sula open in Norway. Don't quote me on this, but I believe that I have a plane flight that goes out before Idlewild kicks off. So oh, a, unfortunate. I know. <laughs> um, I'd love to be back that course. Is amazing. Like I said, I love the woods and that place has them. Yeah. But um, yeah, the way the schedule worked out, we'll see how many pros actually make it to Idlewild. It's going to end up uh, being not, not as many. I don't think there's uh, quite a few people signed up for the Norway silver series event this year. Um, the Sula open. So as far as I know, Rick Wysocki is the only one signed up for both of those. Interesting. Oh, wow. So you recently went on a trip to Mexico with Kevin Jones. Can you tell us a couple things about that? How'd that go? Yeah, I did. Uh, we're sitting on some footage that yet to come out, but it went fantastic, man. We, we were able to do some clinics with um, some groups of kids, some groups of adults. Um, and Kev was able to speak to them in the fluent language, which was a fantastic to see. You know, I'm not, I don't speak Spanish very well, but um, to watch Kev interact with them they could feel the love and uh, and they were absolutely in awe of what he could do the course set up really nice for a pro to throw some high level shots and he threw some ridiculous shots and minds were blown i think that um the mexican disc golf community is gonna explode because of partially because of what kev did there and, and the group that went down there and that's a big thanks to uh to prodigy disc who helped us figure out how to get there and installed 18 baskets at the, at the course, the first pro level course in Mexico. So basically Kev threw about 18 grenades and then 18 jump putts. Yeah. A bunch <laughs> of grenades, jump putts, a bunch of hyzer flip bombs. He threw one forehand roller that went 500 plus feet. Oh goodness. He got, he got up and down. And that one blew my mind, but I know that the 80 spectators were also mind blown. Fantastic people down there though. Um, such a good community uh, of happy, interesting, eclectic uh, of people. I can't wait to go back down. Awesome. The, you know, the the whole trip was based around disc golf, but we were able to go out with the community every night, experience the the nightlife and the food, and uh, and that was also really cool. San Luis Potosi isn't like a tourist town, so. People aren't going there to hang out for the most part. The Airbnb that we stayed in was like pretty ridiculous. It was 25 bucks a day. Um, so, and it's a direct flight from Dallas. I can use this as a little marketing thing right here. Tangamon <laughs> Park, the place that we installed this course and which is going to have another course in it is the second biggest park in Mexico. 
it's absolutely gigantic. It's got something like 30 soccer fields, 20 tennis courts, walking space. Like there is so much space. There, there's a herd of lambs and goats that live in the park and just like cruise around and, you know, keep it mowed or whatever. This, this is like how they mow is they just have some sheep and, and goats around. It's, it's, it's an amazing place. So much going on, people walking, playing, laughing. Um, the whole place is awesome, and you can get there for a really cheap flight from Dallas, and uh, and it's a high-level course. I think we'll see more people making little trips down there and, and little vacations out of it in the future. Yeah, now that disc golf is there, it sounds like, uh, as far as parks go, it sounds like uh, paradise, honestly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's amazing. Roger Shepard, the guy who who found that park and who really had the vision behind it is um, yeah kudos to him he's he's done something fantastic down there and it's a whole team effort there's a bunch of guys down there that uh, I can't remember everybody's name at the moment but big time team effort to get that in place and uh, I you know there's actually one of the best amateurs in in Mexico is here in Dallas for a tournament happening this weekend Beto. Uh, he played a four under par at Tangamanga, one of the best rounds that's been played there. And he's come here for the for the tournament in the United States this weekend, which is awesome. So good luck to him. Um, hopefully he tears it up. That's awesome. Um, do you think that this course you guys helped put in or designed on that could be eventually a tour stop? Man, that would be amazing. The course itself, fully capable of handling the pro tour. I mean, it's, it's high level shots through the woods, low ceilings, uh, lots of it uh, you can't really skip. So you've got to air your shots around. Yeah, it's, if we could find a way to, to get people to Mexico cheaply and, and stuff, I, I could totally see it happening. It'd be fantastic too. The course is set. And there'll be another one. Two courses on the same property oh, that's right cool. there. Yeah, the, the stay would be really cheap. I mean, logistically you just you know you'd have to figure out a few things but i think the, the mexican community would show up in droves if we did that the place tangamanga is right in between uh guadalajara mexico city and um and the really pretty city that i can't remember the name of so it's right there in the <laughs> i think it starts with an m maybe monterey monterey okay yeah 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 Apparently the mountains around Monterey are fantastic and they have one of the best disc golf communities um, in Mexico too. So look forward to going there as well. They have a bunch of super disc heads who knew like every disc plastic, you know, everything that we were throwing already. It was, it was cool to see. Cool. Sounds like a, a destination spot really, especially for yeah. you know us disc golfers that don't travel and want yeah. to get out. Totally. Couple hour flight from Dallas. Not bad at all. It's not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. I can see a lot of uh a lot of married couples, you know, they're going to Mexico for a honeymoon or something, and then you know, maybe leave the wife at the resort or or the husband and go play this new disc golf course for a day, maybe. I don't know. Or go together. Sounds romantic, right? Yeah. Exactly. We had a, a four bedroom, three bath Airbnb for twenty five a day. Oh, that's not bad at all. 25 yeah. a day man. we spend <laughs> down there for 150 bucks you can't even yeah. get a hotel for that these days no not at no. all all right so let's kind of move forward a little bit Uh-oh. um let's talk about your career luke uh your first open win was in 2017 
You won Am Worlds in 2018. And, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this, please. Uh, 2019, you turned pro and achieved Rookie of the Year title. But if I have to guess, your story does not start there. Take us through where everything began for you. Where did you start throwing discs at? Like, yeah, tell us your story, man. All right, I'm going to move the camera a little bit because the story really starts. Is he around? Oh, there's Hogan. Yeah, the goodest boy. Goodest boy is here. Yeah, the story, it, it truly it does start with the goodest boy. I was playing um, tons of golf, normal golf, um, for five years probably before I picked up disc golf. And I was... I had gotten a dog. I was in Wichita, Kansas, finishing up my undergraduate at Wichita State. And I was leaving him at the house for six hours a day, and it wasn't cool. And I wasn't cool with it either. And so I I tried to figure out something we could do together. And about that time, Trey Thompson, one of my best friends, asked me to go play disc golf. And I talked smack on it the whole time. This is like 2014, basically. So I probably played like five or six times in 2014 hated every time but it was something that me and Hogan could do together and eventually I got a couple birdies like I remember my first birdie I was 26 years old like I remember the hole I remember the shot like I remember everything about it a lot of people you know they don't remember when they started or their first throws or whatever like I remember sucking not that long ago I was terrible I hated disc golf and uh and like most things when you're bad at them you want to do better and then disc golf you know it's special it becomes something you can't live without and uh and it quickly became that i moved to dallas after i graduated wichita um and the job i was working wasn't really fulfilling i wasn't loving what i was doing i was uh, working in an office and in a sales gig and uh and through you know the local community i was playing a ton of cash games um, Dallas is one of the best cities in the world for this. Um, I've never heard of a better city. We have five to six cash games per day that happen in the DFW area. Sometimes on a Saturday, there'll be 10 cash games. And then there's a flex start C tier five or six times a week here. So if you're looking to get rated rounds in, there's no better spot in Dallas, Texas. So I'd work, I'd get off a little early, I'd go play a cash game. And that just snowballed into, uh, into, yeah. I mean, Nate Perkins, Emerson Keith, when you start playing with killers and you're able to hang with them, it kind of, it makes you think that maybe this is something you could do too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can speak from experience about Texas a little bit. I I went to Abilene back in 2019 and I played the wild hair event and Emerson was there. I think he took, he won pro if I'm not mistaken, but I didn't make it to, to DFW at all, but I definitely played a couple of courses in Abilene and it was just a, a great scene overall. I loved how the community just chipped in for everything and just very active in the, in the disc golf community. Yeah, it's insane. We've got a Facebook group, the DFW mini list. Most people call them leagues. Yep. The people around DFW call them minis. That's, that's our name for them. And that's like what the, the disciples of the DFW disc golf community kind of call them is the mini list. So yeah, that's something that if you're a player, you're in, you know, you're in the know on. And if you're a player, you're definitely showing up to Monday Madness, which is the best cash game in the United States, to my knowledge. So like $28 to get in, all in, plus the side bet. Winner takes over 
50% of the pot. So it's just killers that show up. There's no AMs. There's one division. And Emerson's probably won a hundred of them in his day, probably cashed out for over $50,000 at this place. Wow. I'm sure he hit aces for four figures at this place. Uh, I hit a, a forehand ace for 1500 bucks with Perkins and the, the guy, the guy who created it, Kenny G who just moved to Hawaii, actually. It's just, a, it's, that's where you test yourself, man. And when, and when you could play at Monday madness, which is what I started doing, I started winning one, a couple of weeks in a row, maybe a few weeks in a row. And I was like, dude, this is something I could do. And then actually Matt Mayo was like the, the last straw. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Matt Mayo, but uh, a friend of mine that passed away on 2018, uh, he was in a van, rolled, eventually died, but he had been playing on tour a little bit, just a, a super happy guy who was a DFW local and came back and told me stories and, and showed me pictures. And, you know, he was, he was the guy who eventually I would say was the straw that broke the camel's back and was like, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know? And then he passed away and it was a for sure thing. Um, doing it for Matt to a degree doing it because I'd always wanted to go pro and something too. You know, I skipped my chance to play college sports. I just wanted to mess around. I had some offers to play soccer. I could have ran track. I could have done some things, but I wanted to pull pranks and stay up late and play Halo. So I kind of botched that chance, <laughs> which, um, you know, it's all, it, it all happens for a reason. That all led me here which is it feels like exactly where I'm supposed to be at this point. Yeah, that's awesome, man. There's definitely a, a sense of peace when you feel like you know where you're supposed to be at and like and you're in that spot. Mhm. Yeah, I was 33 when 34 when I figured that out. <laughs> I, I yeah, I know how that goes. I'm right there. Um but, <laughs> but disc disc golfing definitely gets more addictive when you start being able to manipulate the flight of the disc and just to push that extra 30 feet out of a drive. You know, say, man, I can do that. That's awesome. Now I'm going to keep trying to improve that. Just something about that feel. Exactly. You said it. To manipulate it just how you want it, it's a beautiful thing. Oh, yeah. You've been involved with OTB and GK Pro for a few years now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, How did the... What led to the development of the skins matches and kind of setting all that up? Man, COVID um, and Arkansas <laughs> opening up first. Um, you know, I I got the call that Arkansas was going to be the first state to sanction events back since um, I think that it was like March to July, March to July or August or something. So there was like a four, five, six month period where no events worldwide were going down. And then all of a sudden, Arkansas opens up something about less cases, whatever it may have been. I remember hearing about it at 10 o'clock p.m. And 10 minutes after that, I had a message to Matt Lloyd, who was the uh, the coordinator for Arkansas. He was like, let's do this. I had a message to Kim Jones, owner of Persimmon Ridge Disc Golf Course. Fantastic place. One of the best courses in the world. Um, and both of them were completely down to make it happen and to get disc golf back. So we scheduled two events um, in back-to-back weekends, B-tiers sanctioned, Prodigy got behind it, got me plastic immediately, talked to GK Pro, who I didn't have uh, a great relationship with. I mean, we were friends. We saw each other on tour, but until that point, I 
for a little bit, doing some work for them with Kevin early on in the 2020 season at the Memorial um, and some other stuff. I, I actually hit them up and offered them uh, the Skins gig essentially first. They were in Pennsylvania, pretty far away, weren't able to come down. So GK Pro was my next call. And they were like 110% down. They were like in their vans already because they had heard that we were having the event. They were going to come film it no matter what is what they told me. So like immediately they were down and, uh, and Kim and Steve let them stay on the property. So all we had to do was just figure out some other stuff to film while we were there. There was no disc golf content coming out at that time. There was no, uh, I mean, I guess there were some vlogs, but there was no course stuff no one was playing any disc golf no competitive rounds at all so right if we could get just anything competitive going on during that week it was going to kill is what i thought and uh sat there for a whole day and called everybody on the the pdga disc golf uh, a business if you're affiliated with disc golf and you run a business your name is in the pdga and i called every single person on that list asked them if they wanted to be part of skins and like 18 different people we're down for that first skins like Tina Oakley. Um, and that's just one of the names that I remember, but I called everybody, tons of people were down and OTV was especially down. And immediately they were like, we love what you're doing. Um, here's, you know, 1200 bucks. I think like right away, just here, use this. Um, thank you for what you're doing with disc golf. And uh, we want to be part of, you know, this. So immediately the boys at OTV were down. I didn't know Danny or Aaron Greg, any of the boys over there that well yet. But um, that moment, you know, it says a lot about who they are and uh, and what they wanted to do in disc golf. And yeah, that's how that came about, man. It's cra- it crazy how it came about. It was random. The first one, we called it tour series because like, oh man, it'd be cool to do this, you know, maybe a little bit more. So we were like, eventually, we didn't call it just like a skins match. We called it tour series skins on purpose and thought that this could become something that gk pro did personally i love watching the skins matches it's just a whole different vibe around the, the players or they're talking trash the whole time and yeah guys like uh oh who was that idle wild last year um idle wild last year i can't remember who it was just real quiet clemens clemenade clemens yeah he okay. just was like super quiet the whole round didn't really tell you a whole lot and I think you won the majority of the skins. Yeah. Yeah. If he's not getting made fun of mid stroke, he's probably doing pretty well. That's a good way to do it too. People, people who don't jab a lot won't get jabbed a lot and you can play, you know, a little freer golf that way. Right. But yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed that content being added to, you know, the disc golf stuff that I watch and, and it was just real cool to have that filled in. Um, are there plans to continue the skins matches this year? Or are you focusing more on touring itself? No, no, no. Um, this skins matches. <laughs> skins matches is something that I love and I'm passionate about. And uh, we'll definitely keep doing um, collaborating with disc golfers and showing the general disc golf public. Uh, even more disc golfers is, is something I can't wait to do. You know, we we've had our stars on. Calvin, Kevin, we, we love, you know, the people that you all love, but we also want to show other people and, uh, and give other people a chance to express their personalities and to, to get the love from the fans as well. So expect some new faces this year. 
um, and some fantastic games as well. There's a lot of people out there that nobody knows about that are amazing disc golfers and amazing people as well. Absolutely. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I keep saying that. The what was the last ace hit on skins? Was that the Kevin Jones one? Yeah, it was the he... Kevin Jones slip ace, man. <laughs> wow. That's like episode six or seven or something like that. And we just hosted episode fifty one in Vegas. So it's it's been a long time. A Someone's gonna get people, a payday. Somebody's yeah. getting a payday, yeah. Yeah. We're trying to figure out if we should um if we should cap it at ten start to build that you know that next ace pot because tens a lot of cash and we don't want to be empty afterwards so Correct. i don't know what, exactly what we're going to do we're kind of we're kind of thinking about what what's what but um there's it won't go any less than 10 10 till somebody hits it for sure um there's been some good runs andrew presnell has a band hit in arkansas vinyl macula has a a band hit in music city in uh there's been a bunch of good runs. Matty O's got a band hit in New Jersey. I mean, there's been some runs. It's just hard, man. When it's five figures, it's not as easy, dude. I promise. Right? Yeah, yeah I got to say, um, once I found um, the OTB skins uh, through GK Pro, like, I was a little late to the party um, on, the, on these videos. Um, and when I found them, I binge watched so many of them. You're no, you're an amazing host, by the way. You know, I gotta say that. Get it, gotta get out of the way. Uh, you do a great job. And in in like like uh, Mark said, like seeing these players like open up is so so crazy because I had no idea Calvin Heinberg was so funny. I had no idea that he was the way that he was because I thought he was like so reserved based on like his mannerisms on the course, and then he's out there like saying all these things to, to all these other professionals. I had no idea. It was so funny to see. Yeah, it's fantastic that personalities get to come out like that and that uh, people can become such a fan of Calvin. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Calvin. I fanboy Calvin all the time. Like, that's my dude. And it's, uh, it's amazing that our program could, uh, could show people that. And we can't wait to make that, you know, who's the next Calvin is what I'm saying. You know, that you don't, you don't know about these people yet until we show you. Right. Outside of disc golf, I have heard that you have another hobby, and I heard that that hobby is uh, rock collecting. Um, so I, I actually think that's kind of that's kind of cool because my sister is also an avid rock collector. We went to Michigan's Upper Peninsula, um, and we went together. And everywhere we went, we had to we had to spend an extra thirty to forty minutes looking for rocks. So, <laughs> what what led to that as a hobby? Um, and I've also heard that you're you're uh, an avid golfer so let's let's go one two talk about the rocks and then talk about the golf yeah well first of all that upper peninsula area of michigan has some fire man i haven't been up there yet but there's a, a rock called a Uper light that you can only find at night with a, a low wave uv light uh, okay. know that cool stuff in cabot you know and then under black lights or in a festival situation it's kind of shining out very cool rocks came about though at, at an early age i mean i was picking up rocks when i was five and there was a portion of time between the ages of 15 and 25 probably where i was off the rocks they weren't cool or whatever maybe i just forgotten about them but the second i got to arkansas to do some training for the job i eventually moved to dallas for i went to a friend's house and he showed me this collection he was like you know I, this piece here i'm at a friend's house but i dug this piece here and it's just a you know quartz cluster and i saw wow. some of these 
at my friend's house and he was like oh yeah we go dig those an hour away wait wait what do you mean you go dig these an hour away like huh like that didn't you know didn't register and then i went and did it man and and it was over hook line sinker bro if you dig crystals (laughs) out of the ground you will be a rock hound i guarantee it it's a next level you don't understand like they come out of the ground crystal clear there's we're not chipping away to make those points that's that's nature that's how silicon dioxide forms in nature that's what quartz is silicon dioxide it's something that i was able to learn at my own pace i wasn't forced to do it you know it's it's been a hobby of mine i get on the internet and read about them got my books and read about them but it was at my own pace which is huge all the other things that i learned in school were you know it just felt forced and this one didn't and it's something that's got so much variation so much color so many structures just you can stay curious forever on minerals and i think that's what really hooks me to them as well as just digging up being out in the middle of nowhere in utah digging geodes of purple quartz and purple chalcedony it's just like dude I promise if you do it, it's over. You'll be right <laughs> That, that uh, one that you just showed up is that that one is like super impressive because like like that one right there, uh, like for people who are, you know, your people aren't gonna see this, they're gonna be listening. It looks like a cluster of crystals that you would see in a cave in like a Pokemon game or like Final Fantasy or something. And you would think that that those like only exist in like gift shops. But but you know, you dug it right out of the ground. Right, yeah. Yeah, it came out just like that, sprayed off with water, and it's see-through. Man. Yeah, it's, it's next level. So um, that's the rocks, and then um, the golf. It you know it, it partners with disc golf so well um, to be able to just go to the links with a couple of buddies. And there's a bunch of guys on tour that play that I love to golf with. Kevin, of course, but Rick Wysocki, Emerson, Keith, Paul Uliberry, uh, Ezra Aderhold can absolutely rip the cover off the golf ball it's amazing what you do there's a bunch of us out here and it's such a hard game that i think playing it 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 dials you in a little bit better for disc golf too um and this is this is no joke kevin jones during the 2020 vermont um it's 2020 either way we're up there for vermont it's during COVID. So we have to, um, we have to stay by ourselves for like a week or some week and a half. And we get golf memberships at Stowe country club for 350 bucks, which sounds kind of expensive, but Kevin Jones played 18 rounds of disc golf in one week. That's over two a day. And then he won the tournament the next weekend, the pro tour took down Paul Macbeth and Chris Dickerson at, at the course that they love. It was absolutely incredible and a testament to you know the golf and and how complicated it is and how then when you go to disc golf you could it's just simple man you just hit the lines you hit the putts like trying to hit a 25 footer with three feet to break feels impossible on a golf green but you can break it down 25 feet in a disc golf setting and and i think it just the the simplicity of it accompanies golf so well and that's how i came to the game too like I liked birdies before I was a disc golfer. So, I mean, of course, I like birdies here too. Going back to the rock thing, it seems like that's just a very peaceful, calming, relaxing hobby to do where you're literally just out in nature and just enjoying creation and everything that's around us. 
Amen, bro. You said it. That's exactly what it is. It's getting in with the nature. It's being on a rugged Oregon coast with the waves coming in, picking up bright orange agates, you know, or it's in the middle of a forest in Arkansas pulling out ice clear quartz. There's nothing like it, dude. Absolutely. It's it me the goosebumps, bro. It does, man. That's awesome. I'm all, I'm all for like spending time in nature and just being outdoors like that. And just the, the peacefulness that you feel overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually had a memory pop up from two years ago. Uh, I was at this time out in Arizona with James Conrad, his girlfriend, Jordan and Nate Perkins. And we were digging Chalcedony um, at 4th of July Butte in the middle of nowhere. You got to drive on a dirt road an hour to get to this place. But once you're there, you're absolutely humbled and it's just a spectacle. Um, and I think that humbling from nature is something that I think we all really seek. Um, and when you feel it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's part of the reason, you know, I play the game of disc golf. And I think everyone who plays disc golf uh, kind of feels that way too. You know, you're outside. You could be inside on your phone doing nothing. But no, instead we're outside we're playing we're out in nature we're playing a game or you know out with friends well said yep exactly pro tips are brought to you by hazy shade disc golf and more go to hazyshade.com and check out their selection of discs hats bags and other accessories you need on the course this week's pro tip comes from one of the fan questions from james lessie and i'm sorry if i butchered that he says congratulations on a fan- lisey lisey cool. okay I'm, I'm terribly sorry about that um, congratulations on a fantastic run at, at LVC. My question pertains to the mental side of the game. What advice can you give to players on how to act and what mindset they need to have when things aren't going so well on the course? Yeah, you know, this um, This goes back to that third round that I was talking about, slow start, not truly vibing with the card yet. Um, you got to simplify it at that point. You can feel overwhelmed. You can feel like, how am I going to birdie this whole, like thinking about everything that the whole entails, but all you need to do is just simplify it into one shot at a time. And one shot is one target. You know, don't think about anything else. Pick a tree, pick a limb on a tree, pick a leaf on a tree, make it specific as possible. Your body is so capable of doing incredible things. You be specific your body will respond specifically. So um, simplify it one shot at a time. And, and even if that last shot didn't go well, which is something that we're talking about as well, there's, there's a bunch of people who made their living missing shots. Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, you know, these people have a mentality that they're incredible at something. And just because they did something poorly, doesn't mean that the future is going to be poor either. So you clean slate it, you short memory, goldfish memory that, and, uh, and you aim at something and you, and you throw, that was, that was my, uh, my motto for Vegas. I'm just throwing stuff at stuff. I'm not making it complicated. I'm, I'm happens to be in my hand. I'm going to throw it that way. All I can do is pick a spot and throw, you know, the more I think about it, the less I'll, I'll be good at it. I think there's a bunch of touring pros who do a really good job getting out of their own way too. If you think about Gavin Rathbun, um, you think about Terry Roethlisberger, you think about Ezra Aderhold, quick, quick players. They let their bodies react. They've put in the work. There's no work to be done on the course anymore. You can't work on the course. You pick targets and you throw, simplify it, you know? 
Yeah, and then on the flip side of that, yes, what kind of mindset do you have coming down the stretch knowing that you were playing awesome and that you were you were probably going to have your best finish at a DGPT event? And I'm assuming he's talking about the final round. Yeah. Um, stay hungry, you know? I had had some cool shots, but I was going to get left in the dirt. I was playing with killers. You know, if I was happy with what I did on the front nine, I would have lost to Calvin and Kev by six strokes. You know, you can't, you can't be happy with it. You goldfish memory it again, you know, whether it was good or bad, you know, just because I eagled that last hole doesn't mean that um, I can take the rest of this time off. So, so it's, again, it's remaining, it's simplifying, it's throwing something at something with intention. Um, and that's it. The work's been done. Just stay on it. You know, yeah. getting those late birdies is fun. I, I really love getting those late birdies. It's something I've, I've been decent at my entire career, actually. At the USDGC, the hardest hole in the course is 18. And I don't know if I've ever bogeyed that hole. And I birdied it every round last year. Had to hit a uh, missed final round last year. Birdied it every round the year before. But it, it just it fits my game. And there's no time like the present. I think I've you know somewhat been a procrastinator my entire life. I started to get into pro disc golf when I was 32, if that says anything. But... Um, when the when the time is up, there's the chips are down. You just got to throw shots, and I think I play my best golf coming down the stretch. Um, I can actually add a question to go along with this from my own thought here. You're coming down to the end of a tournament. You're in the hunt for the win, or even let's just say top four. How do you keep your emotions in check to be able to not get overwhelmed with, hey, I'm doing good, and then you start throwing bad shots? Yeah, it's um, I I you know you can uh, breathing is a big deal. I think in situations like that, you won't even notice what you're doing, but you'll be holding your breath or shortening your breath and speeding up your heart rate, which in turn makes you a wayless proficient golfer. Um, so taking some some four or five second in, four or five second out breaths, I was definitely doing some of that final round, but I was also not getting ahead of myself. Um, you're not playing that other person. You're playing the course. And if you have a game plan for the course, you know, it's not, it's not as stressful because even, even, you know, 18 at uh, Las Vegas has a ton of water around it. It's, you know, kind of a scary hole unless you think about it because the, the landing zone is monstrous. If you throw it out and it doesn't flip over and it's got 375 feet of distance, you're safe. You simplify it. It's not, it's not rocket science. Don't think about it all. Don't try and envision how, like the birdie tapping in or something while you're on the tee box. You know, that just do one thing at a time. Hit that cloud that you were looking at at the angle that you wanted, and the rest will figure itself out. All right, Brandon. You know what time it is? Let's get the some fan fire fan question time. Let's get some let's get some lightning round fan questions going on. Go ahead, and, go ahead and kick it off, Brandon. All right, so. Josh asks, uh, he's got three questions. So we're going to kind of, we're going to kind of, uh, quote unquote, rapid fire these, uh, okay. because we got a lot of big questions. All right. Uh, Josh asks, is the clean shaven look a secret weapon that contributed to playing 36 points over your rating? <laughs> I'm more aerodynamic, man. I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, uh, before we get into the next one, I watched that video, um, of the, of you shaving the mustache. I, you got me so good on that. I watched that a few times. I, I, 
when I saw the when I saw the the razor come in or the I I, I died laughing. It was so good. Nice. Man. <laughs> All right, so can you tell us what it was like having you and KJ uh, making a round four charge from the same card? It was like a disc golf dream for me, man. Honestly, it was uh, it was awesome. KJ is my boy, but Calvin as well. And to be with them, you know, three under through three holes, like I knew it was going to be a good day at that point. And uh, it, there's nothing like it. Kev's influenced my disc golf game in a, a positive way. He continues to push me remind me that I've got what it takes and uh yeah it was next level man I'm gonna remember that one his last question uh did you feed off each other's energy a hundred percent dude the vibe on that card was real you could feel it the the cameraman Evan that was there said it was his favorite round he's ever filmed my caddy Raul said it was his favorite round Kev's caddy um anybody who was there could feel it man it was a vibe all right, Mark, I'm going to kick it over to you. Yeah, one second. Uh, okay. All right, uh, Billy in Ohio has about four questions for you. Right. And the first one is, was LVC your best finish for an Elite Series event? Yeah, it was. Um, well, that point, I had finished, I think, ninth or tenth at Portland last year was my best Pro Tour event that year. And then I finished, I think, ninth at the Hall of Fame Classic National Tour Finale which is where we're playing a major this year. So I had a couple top tens, but I didn't have a top five yet. No, my best. All right. As a, as a nature guy, as you've expressed a couple times now, um, having played across the country, what's your favorite terrain or scenery and why? Um, I'm, I'm passionate and partial to Arkansas, but when I went to Oregon, Oregon seemed like it was Arkansas on steroids. The trees were bigger, the streams were bigger, the rivers were bigger. And then getting to Milo McIver Park for the first time was an unreal experience. That place um, it will be special to me forever. That's Oregon. All right. Would you rather get a tournament ace or a bogey free weekend? Um bogey free weekend's pretty sick. That, I mean, it means you play some clean golf, but I got to go with the tournament ace, man. Like, it doesn't happen very often. I think I only have one tournament ace. One. Yeah. I'm right there with you. And I got one at a local event. Nice. Yeah. The Pumped up. Pumped up about that ace, too. I was fired up. With the Prodigy disc? No, throw? I was actually throwing Trilogy at the time, and I threw a uh, Latitude Recoil. Oh yeah, so it was a that that's like a wraith. That was a bomb. It was two hundred thirty-five foot hole. I just threw like a spike hyzer forehand, trying to be close and smash oh. chains. And I, I didn't actually see it go in. I didn't know it was in until I got down to the basket. Nice, kind of blind. Kinda. I mean, you can see the basket from the tee pad, but when I when I threw my forehand, I stepped off to the left side of the tee pad, and I didn't see the basket after that. Feels good, huh? Yeah, Brandon. It was hole it ten at Garfield. Nice. Here's a here's a a bonus question to go along with that. Yeah. And I I'm I'm hoping for a certain answer from both of you. Uh you first, Mark. Were you paid into the ace pool when you got your tournament ace? Absolutely. <laughs> I watched a buddy of mine learn that lesson the hard way. Okay. Uh all right, how about you, Luke? Were you paid in? I was as well. That was um that was Texas States in 2018. Because it was a rock okay. three. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was not paid in for my no, one. No. <laughs> oh my gosh. 
I showed up to the tournament and um, the TD, uh, he was like, you're good, man. Uh, just whatever, go practice. And I didn't pay online. I had the $5 in my pocket. <sighs> so I just went out and practiced it because I was going to give it to him right there. And then yeah. I ended up acing and then later, and then like thinking, and it was like, $5 in my pocket, man. <laughs> oh, man. That's yeah, a bummer. Last time you didn't pay into an ace pot, right? Last time. Last time. <laughs> I don't care if all the holes are 560 feet on this on this I'm paying in. <laughs> I'm paying in every time. I feel, man. I feel it only happens one time. That's the mistake you make once. Yep. 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 All right. Two more questions from Billy. If you had to pick one type of disc, would you play would you play a better round with putters or drivers? Dude, I'd go in between. Um, if there was an in-between option, I'd say a mid-range. It's it's the most similar to like the frisbees I grew up throwing that you could get distance out of. You know, I know putters are bad, but I really, really rely on my mid-ranges a lot, up to 400 feet in the woods, in the open. Uh, I love the M2 specifically right now, and I've got this green one that I, I think that I could one one disc play anybody in the world with. All right, last question from Billy. Being one of a handful of players that show up to nearly every event, what things do you do on tour to help break up the grind in the road life? That's the rocks, man. That's definitely the rocks. I do drive around a lot, and I, you know, I've got things that I have to do on specific days that most disc golfers don't. I, like every day before the tournament is skins, and it's almost a, a wasted practice day for me. So I have to get out there and dig some rocks or go for a hike or something. I gotta, I gotta like get my heart beating in a weird way, a scary way, um, jump over some ravines or a river or something like that, just to get a little adrenaline, um, and to, to feel nature. Cool. All right. So Ben Davidson asks, what's Hogan's PDGA number? Man, he needs one. Is that even legal? I, I saw that <laughs> question and I got to thinking like, I guess, I mean, if it's legal, you got to make it happen. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so when you were talking to our uh, producer, did he did he tell you that you had to have Hogan during this interview? He mentioned that, yes. And actually, Hogan, you didn't even have to tell him. I think he either reads my texts or he's just in the know because he okay. showed up in this office and laid down on the ground right as we started. Yeah, yeah so he knows. I, that was me. I told Kevin, I was like, hey, you got to tell Luke, man, that we need Hogan on here, or, or, or I don't know if we can do it. We need Hogan. <laughs> yeah. I heard it was a package deal, and I made sure to. <laughs> All right. All right, All right Ryan, over to you, Mark. Ryan, I think you saw this on, on Facebook, Luke, and uh, Ryan Minkoff is wondering which crystal helps you play better. Mm, Minkoff, good buddy. Uh, he remembers me when I was garbage. Not Not many do, but Ryan, thank you. Um, man, there's this specific green mineral from Arkansas that I really love. I'm actually wearing a necklace, a cabochon I made of it right now. It's called Wavelight, and I don't know if people can see it. I mean, obviously, you can't see it at home, and we're just talking, but uh, it's a, a green fibrous mineral that is very rare for it to be hard enough for you to polish. So there's this one spot in Arkansas where it comes from that you can make necklaces out of, and um, that's my jam. I love wave light. It's found in Australia, Pennsylvania, maybe another spot in Arkansas. So the real rare and nobody has any, anything good compared to Arkansas. The Australian stuff's pale yellow. Pennsylvania's pale yellow. It's, it's garbage compared to Arkansas, which is awesome. 
keep a little bit of the, the natural state on me at all times. Awesome. All right, Brandon, back to you. All right. Lucas Murray asks, what courses or course would you like to see added to the 2023 tour? Eagles crossing easy. That place is next level. It's the future of disc golf. Um, the owner, Philip Samuels has taken so much thought and preparation into putting that course together. It's, it's ready for spectators. It's ready for cameras. It's not just a course in the middle of the woods that can't handle what we're doing as a sport nowadays. It's, it's been thought out. He's got huge tee boxes. I mean, I think he's well over $600,000 into this project right now. The course didn't have any grass on it. He's planted all that grass and now there's lush fairways through tight gaps. It's next level, man. I can't wait for the best in the world to go out there and play it. And I think it'll happen for sure by the 2023. What is your biggest pet peeve doing around that someone on your card knows? You don't have to name any names. <laughs> man, I, But you can. Taking a bunch of time is, is a problem for me. It's one of the things that I've struggled with most on the pro tour is waiting 15 minutes a tee box to throw my shot. It's just, uh, it's not how I practice typically, which makes it an adjustment as well. But it's also just like, it's stressful. It's stressful for me. It, it gets me out of my game, man. It, I, it's something I really need to work on is watching people take forever and not being mad about it. Um, I think as our sport progresses, we're going to have more rules because what they're doing is illegal at this point. You're not allowed to take that much time on the course, on your shot. Um, and so it, it is illegal what they're doing, which makes it maybe a little more aggravating for me that it's being allowed so um, frequently. It's it's the main thing that, that sucks for me. If I've got to wait 15 minutes at tee box, I, when I show up at the tee box, I, I got a 1035 shot in me. And 15 minutes later, I got a 995 shot in me. Just, I, I don't care as much about the shot. It's hard for me to, to focus and it's something I'm working on, but that's, that's the main thing, man. It literally, like, if you look at the VPO last year, I shot 1050, 990, 1050. And that 990 round, I waited 15 minutes a tee box, every tee box. And it's obvious. If you look at my scores, I'm either, uh, typically I'm either, you know, there's a 25, 30 point difference in my rounds and it's either I waited and it sucked and I got mad and I, and I just kind of got heated up. And by the end of it, I wasn't in it or we played some, you know, fairly free flowing golf and I was able to just golf. Cool. Yeah. I, I feel that too. I can't stand waiting longer than I have to for um, the card in front of me to tee off or throw their shot or it just, it takes you out of your rhythm. So it does indeed. All right. It's something the best in the world are really good at though. Cause if Paul's going to sit on that tee box for 15 minutes and he's going to throw a 1060 rated shot. Guarantee that. So, you know, there's people that are doing it properly. I, I just need to work on that part of my game. All right. Eric in Texas and it's Eric Basile. He was one of the founders of the battalion team. Okay. Um, he would like to know, if you had to pick three discs in your bag, what molds would they be? If I only was playing with three, man, that A5, the distortion, um, either one. Jealous. I, yeah, they're, that did <laughs> Flex lines with it, forehand, backhand, super comfortable with that one. Um, and that could overlap into the mid-range too because I was throwing it 330, 340, 
on these lines and pumping it as hard as I could. I mean, it takes every bit of torque that you give it and, uh, and continues with that, that good flight. So that, um, the FX3 is unbelievable. And then a D2 probably. I think I could putt with an A5 at this point. So I'd say that right now, but you could also probably catch me P Model S M2 Falcor. You know, it'd be something like that. Right. I run a three disc league here in Ohio in the winter, and my my main three discs is a pl- three discs I played all winter was MX3, uh, PX3, and then PA3. Okay. Those are like my go to nice. discs. And then I eventually bumped up to an F5 as the weather got a little bit nicer, but. Yeah, yeah. F5s are really good. Discs, my, I've got three of them in the bag right now. I think it is. My hands down, my go to driver. I think you're really going to like the FX3 then. Uh, for the effort that you're putting in, there's not a disc that I know of that's going to have that much glide and get you that much distance. It's, it's just the easiest thrower, uh, predictable flight. It's going to be a weapon. I predicted it to be disc of the year before I threw the Falcor. Um, so I don't know, man. We got I think we got like three discs in there. All right. Did we jump again? No, we're good. <laughs> no, we got you. We got you. All right. One final fan question. And this takes you back to 2018. Michael Grummer. Why did you have to play Am Worlds in 18? I would have won if it wasn't for you. Way to crush Luke. <laughs> man, couple <laughs> I got a Brock Cummings shout out. Um the man who really made fun of me enough to where I went to am worlds. I was like, you know, with the ball golf background, I was just going to play am golf and continue selling packaging and shipping supplies. There was no intention of ever going pro at disc golf. It wasn't something I thought about when I started doing this. So, um, they were like, why are you saying am what's the point? Why don't you just go do worlds? And I was like, all right, fine. Shut up. Y'all I'll play worlds, whatever. So <laughs> blame brought Cummings. Um, and as far as Michael Grimmer goes, boy, I'm pretty sure that, I fanboyed you to that second place finish. I think without my support, you may have gotten fourth. <laughs> I believe you won by 14 strokes, actually. Yeah, man. Um, that comes from the USADGC up in Milford, Michigan, um, which I gave away the win there like two months before that. Um, I was in the lead going into the final round, played not my best golf watched my now buddy Clint Calvin play some great golf. Um, but looking back, it was something that I felt like I should have won. And I had like a 12 hour ride back and it was, I mean, it ate at me, dude. It ate at me. I wasn't going to give another one away. I, I sold fireworks every year for like 12 years until that point, that was my last year selling fireworks as well. And that kind of went downhill. I got screwed by a couple different business partners. So, I, I gave away the USDGC, which I felt like I got screwed. I got screwed actually out of thousands of dollars, like up close to $10,000 in that summer. And then like a week later, I went to Worlds. So I was sick of getting screwed. I was not going to let my foot off the gas. And I got stroked second round for a bad card. Uh, my score was wrong. So I felt like I got screwed again. The next day, they took out holes that were unplayable because of rain later in the day. I birdied both those holes. I was the only person in the field that did. So they took away my birdies again. So like every single day I was just like, they're not going to do this to me. I'm not going to get screwed. And I stayed on it because of all the experiences in the previous two months. That was, uh, man. Yeah. 14th stroke. And I wanted every one of them. That sounds rough. It was a rough stretch. 
Yeah, but you know, it was for a reason. I'm sitting here right now um, because of that. I think, you know, if I hadn't won Am Worlds, I don't know that Kai at Pro Discus would have reached out to me. I wouldn't have had the opportunity to meet Chad Scruggs, who is the guy who kind of was the in-between for Kai and I. Um, and I, you know, my time at Pro Discus was up and down, but I have to thank Kai for giving me the opportunity to at least go out there and see if it was something that I'd be interested in doing or had the game to do. In 2019, to win Rookie of the Year, um, finish strong at home, take down the VPO, really sealed the deal with that win. Uh, it concreted in my mind something, you know, disc golf is something that I could do in the future. Well, that's that's awesome. You, you got a good story, man. Just everything that you've been through with disc golf and getting into it and, and where you're at now, it's, it, it's a, truly a one of a kind story. It's a story that involves a lot of people too. And I want to make sure and, and make that clear. This is not something that I could have ever accomplished myself. If it wasn't for, you know, the Nate Perkins, the Emerson Keith's, the Steven stories, um, you know, the Nick hunts, my parents, you know, it, it's a, it's a group effort here. The GK boys, you know, there's, there's a family out here, man. And, and I sometimes I'm in front of the camera to express stuff for the family, but it's more about the family than it is me. Well, Luke, we really appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day and whatnot to join us and, and do this interview. Um, hopefully we can get you back on maybe next year, this time frame, or later on this year at the end of the season. But Truly appreciate it, and, uh, yeah, best of luck coming up on your your, uh, events. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's been an honor to be here with you guys. Thanks for making the time. Uh, It was a pleasure, and and we'll definitely do it again if it works for you all. Thank you, man.